This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وله الحكم وله الامر يحيي ويميت وهو حي دائم لا يموت وهو على كل شيء قدير ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم واشهد ان سيدنا ونبينا وحبيبنا محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى اله واصحابه وازواجه وذريته اجمعين وبعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الحديث حديث محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار ايها الاخوه الكرام واخوات السيدات السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته dear brothers and sisters uh, before i begin my nasiha to you i would like to ask uh, one of our brothers to recite uh, a verse a few verses from the quran as a dalil and also to recite Uh, one of the ahadith from the arba'in ahadith of imam nawawi uh, rahimullah uh, which i will be using as a basis for what i'm speaking upon uh, i'm asking for this to be recited not as uh, as a tradition because we know that this is not from the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam to recite quran before the wild uh, but i'm doing it because uh, the brother uh, uh i'm asking the brother to do that for me uh because uh, my eyes are not um, adjusting well and so i want to make sure that the qira is correct inshallah a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim qul illahum 
الملك تؤتي الملك من تشاء وتنزع الملك ممن تشاء وتعز وتخرج الحي من الميت وتخرج الميت من الحي وترزق من تشاء بغير حساب لا يتخذ المؤمنون الكافرين أولياء قل تخفوا ما في صدوركم أو تبدوه يعلمه الله ويعلم ما في السماوات وما في الأرض والله على كل شيء قدير يوم تجد كل نفس من خير محضرا وما عملت من سوء تود لو أن بينها وبينه أمدا بعيدا ويحذركم الله نفسه والله رؤوف On the authority of Abu Abbas, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, who said, One day I was behind, that is riding behind the Messenger of Allah, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he said to me, Ya Ghulam, O young man, I shall teach you some words of advice. Be mindful of Allah, and Allah will protect you. Be mindful of Allah, and you will find Him in front of you. If you ask, Fas'adillah, 
So ask from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you seek help, seek help from Allah. And know that if the whole nation were to gather together to benefit you with anything, it would only benefit you with something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already prescribed for you. And if the nation, all of them were to gather together to harm you with anything, they would harm you only with something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had already prescribed for you. The pens have been lifted and the pages have dried. It is a matter of qadr. And it was related by At-Tirmidhi who said it was a good and a sound hadith. And in a version other than that of At-Tirmidhi, it reads, Be mindful of Allah. You will find Him before you. Get to know Allah in prosperity and He will know you in adversity. Know that what has passed you by was not going to befall you. And that which has befallen you was not going to pass you by. And know that victory comes with patience and relief with affliction and ease with hardship. Dear brothers and sisters, It is important that we keep in our minds who is holding the power and who is controlling the qadr and who is directing the world and who is sending signs and who is the controller of affairs and whose hands there is the sovereignty of the heavens and the earth and who is moving and turning the hearts of the human beings and who is directing them towards what? Whether towards the Jannah or towards the fire, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we need to reflect upon the Quran because in the face of great power and great adversity and the strutting about in the earth of the kuffar, the believers can forget and they begin to think to themselves that there's someone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is directing the affairs. And therefore, they don't respond to Allah. They begin to respond to the kuffar. And this is one of the manipulations of the shaitan. We have to keep in our minds that when we call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to have ikhlas. We have to remember the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us about a man who traveled a great distance and there was the signs of his travel on his body and his hair was disheveled. And he sat down and he said, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb, wa mat'amahu haram. 
ومشربه حرام وملبسه حرام وغضي بالحرام He ate his food was from haram And what he drank was from haram And what he nourished his family of was from haram And what he clothed his family with and gave them for their needs was also from the haram Then how can he expect to be answered O Muslims Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds you and me that whatever good happens it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if something else happens this is from our own hands Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he has ordered you and I to enjoin what is right and forbid what is wrong and when we cease to do that we don't enjoin the right we don't enjoin uh, enjoin the, we don't enjoin the right we don't forbid the wrong then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promise that he will visit us a calamity from himself so that when the calamity happens or you are punished and the musiba comes upon you and you call upon Allah he will not answer what do the muslims of today expect what is happening to the muslims today is not equal to what happened to them when jangis khan came the mongol it was not that far ago the mongols they visited the muslims with a wrath from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they were called the scourge of allah a disease a musibah that came from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the hands of the kuffar so that they took the muslims and disgraced them and cut their heads off and ate the meat from their skulls and poured wine inside their skulls and then they drank their wine and then took their skulls and built walls destroyed their civilizations but these same people the same people 100 years later the quran conquered them and they became muslims and then they became rulers so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows you how he replaces one people with another through his qadr so o muslims don't be feeble minded don't be reactionary don't be weak and don't be foolish and don't believe that anyone is holding any power besides allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we are experiencing the punishment from Allah because of our deeds and because of our neglect. You come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will come back to us. If the Muslims, you and I, if we cannot beat our sheets and our beds in the morning for the Fajr, 
you will never beat any enemies. And your enemies, they already know what kind of Muslims that you are before they come in your lands. So, O oh Muslims, don't point the finger at other people. Don't be the blamers. Don't be the cursers. Don't be the complainers. No, point the finger at yourself. Say what the, what the Ashabul, say what Yunus alayhi salam, what he said when he was swallowed by the fish. What did he say? La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntum min al-dhalimeen. Blame yourselves. When we come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in our ibadah, in our aqidah, Allah will come back to us and He will answer us. And when He answers us, He will destroy our enemies. And He will send help from Himself. وَمَا يَعْلَمُ جُنُودَ رَبِّكَ إِلَّاهُ Dear brothers and sisters, we all want change. And everything in the world is subject to change. One of the most predictable characteristics of life is that change is inevitable. Change, however subtle, is constant. No one can stop change. No one that is young can stop becoming older unless death interferes. No one that is living can stop time. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to us, He swears by the time, This universe with all of its vastness and intricate diversities is a result of a thought and a word from subhanahu wa ta'ala and a measured decree from a divine source manifested into substance a world that is constantly changing the world as we know it and in particular this planet earth with its macro and micro systems are the result of subtle and dramatic changes. When we observe nature, it is undeniable that the entire creation has its seasons and its stages and that we bear witness to the principle of change. The human being, which is the most complex and profound element of creation is no less subject to change. And an example of the principle of change as we see through all the stages from the womb to the tomb, the human being is constantly changing. في أحسن تكويم ثم رددناه أسفل السافلين. Struggling constantly only to arrive at 
what has already been decreed by the author of change inevitably. What is it? Kullu nafsin da'ikatul maut. In this world, the human being is the most superior creature only because of his ability to use his intellect. For if it wasn't for the intellect, he would not be as powerful as a tiger or an elephant or a horse or an elephant. And he would not be able to trap these powerful animals and put them in a zoo. But those animals would trap him and put him in a zoo. But because of his intellect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala endowed him with, he becomes the superior creature on the earth. Surely man is ever towards his Lord ungrateful. The human being is the superior creature because of his ability to apply the intellect, to measure, to plan, to plot, to calculate, to arrange, to articulate. All things in this world respond instinctively to an unseen law. Just as the heart beats, the man did not command it to beat. As the eye blinks, the man did not command it to blink. As the lungs breathe, he did not command it to breathe. As he swallows his food, he did not command himself to do so. But it is all happening instinctively. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has caused it to complete and fulfill a purpose. That is always the case, whether it is evident or whether it is hidden. Nevertheless, all things are subject to a predetermined course that points out the greatness of its designer and creator. Only the human being can perform acts of choice. Darwin, that misguided human being, he was mistaken if he said that man came from the monkey. Monkeys have never made choices. Monkeys have never cried and monkeys have never laughed. And when monkeys die, they will not be raised up on Yom Al-Qiyamah and they will not be thrown in the hellfire, nor will they go into the Jannah. But the human being has been created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do all of that. So the evolution of the human being is one thing and the evolution of monkeys is another, but Darwin was a kafir, so he couldn't have known that. The choices of the human being are clear and methodical. It can lead to a path of immorality and ingratitude and destruction. Or it can take a path towards enlightenment and ultimate good.
as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَحَدَيْنَاهُ نَجْدَيْنَ He showed him the two highways and he gave him the choice. It is my proposition to you that the soil of human consciousness can only yield the harvest of the seed that has been planted, said the Prophet the human being will only get the benefit of what they have really intended. Therefore, the key element of perception is the tool of communication. If we want to know what is the most powerful element among human beings, it is the communication. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala began His revelation to His creatures, to His Messenger وسلم, with the word Iqra'ah. Iqra, read or recite. And then further on he said that he created as a part of this communication the pen. And he taught man what? What he did not know. Through reading, through reciting, through using the pen, education Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given this and endowed the human beings the means by which to dominate the earth and sophisticate themselves communication is the ability to transfer intelligent messages to other human beings through the inspiration given to him by his Lord and Creator. These waves of communication can be manipulated and affected so as to impact upon the human consciousness in different ways. Just like the telephone, just like the camera, just like the television, just like the satellite. Does the human being think that from his own mind, he can make the camera, he can make the satellite, he can make the computer, he can make the television, he can make the telephone, but that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not able to record what he does? Does he think he can communicate what his ideas are to others and educate others and orient others and brainwash others and condition others but that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no means by which to transfer his message to his creatures? Yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has communicated his command to his creatures. Literally, the human being can be brainwashed or he can be brain defiled. We Muslims have been ordered to do brainwashing because the kuffar, through their awliya al-shaytan, they are doing brain defiling. To defile the brain is to poison the brain against itself and against its Lord so that it reaches hellfire. And to wash the brain is to clean the brain and to clean the spirit and the heart so that it 
is able to receive the proper communications from its Lord and that it reaches its ultimate goal, Al-Jannah. Call it orientation, call it education, call it propagation. The human being is directly influenced by that which he or she is taught, exposed to or invited to. Said the Messenger of Allah that each one of you each child is born according to what? A fitrah. A natural disposition. When the souls were created, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked the souls before they were created, Am I not your Lord? And they bore witness. So every soul has a natural disposition to witness Allah and to submit to Allah. But when they are born into this world, into this new environment, it is their mother or their father or the environment itself or others that condition them to be other than that, to be a Jew, a Christian, a fire worship or a kafir. This can be proven through psychology, history, and through common sense. We have all heard the principle that association breeds assimilation. The Prophet ﷺ said, you will know a man by his friends. He also told us about influence. If a man goes to someone who sells perfume, and he doesn't buy the perfume, just his friend says to him, take some, brother. See? He says, brother, take some. Smell this. It's very nice. So if everyone took some, you did not buy any. But you will all walk out smelling very nice. Similarly, if you go to a friend who is burning something like a blacksmith, or smoking one of the spliffs or cocaine or whatever people are smoking cigarette smoking and you sit with him and you are not smoking when you leave from him somebody will say brother what this smell inside your clothes you smoking something <laughs> even though the fire did not touch you you will have the smell of it on you. Such is the wisdom of the Prophet ﷺ to tell us about association. Thus, when our Lord and Creator subhanahu wa ta'ala said to us in his illuminated scripture, Udu'u ila sabili rabbik, call to the way of your Lord, invite to the way of your Lord. What is the sabil of your Lord? The sabil of your Lord is Islam. The sabil of your Lord is the Quran and the Sunnah of His Rasul. This is the sabil of your Lord. Call to the sabil of your Lord. Call to the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Call to the aqidah of Islam. Call to the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Call to the akhlaq 
of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa called to the most perfect behavior. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Call the human beings, whomsoever they are. And don't you make the judgment that this call is not for this one and that one, but this call is only for this one or that one. No, call everyone. And don't call just with your voice, but call with your behavior. Because your behavior speaks louder than words. The message of Allah said, I have been sent into this world to perfect what? Good manners. La ilaha illallah. Good manners. If the Muslim displays good manners, if he imitates the manners of the Prophet wasallam, the people will respect him. The Izzah will come back to him. Because keep this in mind. Subhanallah. The beauty of the Prophet wasallam. In spite of those people who opposed him, who attempted to kill him, who fought against him, it wasn't because they disrespected him. It wasn't because he didn't have dignity in their eyesight. It wasn't because he, they didn't value his trust. It wasn't because they didn't honor him. It was because they were not willing to give up what they were benefiting from to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For they said to him, O Muhammad wasallam, What do you want? If you like, we will make you our king. And we will, we will take our wealth and give half to you. What do you want? If you want our daughters or our women, anyone you like. And if you want, we will never make any decision without you. Just don't force us to conform to this order, La ilaha illallah. Don't force us to conform to this new sharia that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ordering you with. Don't force us to give up what our fathers gave to us. Just join us. Tolerate us. Be with us. We will give you everything that you need, but please don't ask us just to do that. What did the Prophet ﷺ say? If you will put the sun in my right hand and the moon in my left, which is the two lights of the whole world, never will I give up the mandate Allah has put upon me. And remember, even after 13 years in Mecca, when Allah ordered His Prophet ﷺ to make hijrah, He left Ali, Sayyidina Ali, in his house. Isn't it true? Why did he leave Sayyidina Ali in his house? They were coming to kill him. And sure, if he left Ali in the house, maybe they would kill Ali. Radiallahu an. But he followed the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he made the hijrah 
and Allah blinded the kuffar so that he passed over them. He put dust on their foreheads and passed through them. <coughs> and when they came in the house to kill him as they had planned, he was not there but Ali was there. Radiallahu an. And they beat Ali. But Ali radiallahu an said to them, Don't you know that Muhammad left me here because he was holding the amana for you. For 13 years, they were fighting the Prophet killing his followers, torturing him, slandering, plotting, opposing. But he was holding their amana in his house. And they never came and asked him for it back. Subhanallah, brothers, you know, if I was holding only $100 for you, if I was holding $100 for you in my bank, and I insulted you, you didn't like me anymore, you would come the next day and ask for your $100. The Quraysh, they did not come to Muhammad and ask for their money back, but they left it under his trust because he was... He was Al-Amin. Even his enemies, they never made any, they made a distinction between his message and his character. They did not accept the message, but it was consistent to them, even when he was a child, that he was Al-Amin. Brothers and sisters, it is our behavior first we have to look to, to call people towards this deed. Dear Muslim brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Invite all to the way of Allah with wisdom and beautiful preaching and argue with them, contend and challenge with that which is better. We don't need to go to the Christians or the Jews debating with them about the filth which they believe. We will never cause them to believe if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't open their hearts. مَنْ يَحْدِهِ اللَّهُ فَلَا مُذِلَّ لَهُ وَمَنْ يُذْلِلْ فَلَا هَادِيَ But we are too, whatever they say, give them better, more convincing argument. From where? From the Qur'an. From where? From the Sunnah. Because what did the Prophet always say? خَيْرُ الْكَلَامِ كِتَابُ اللَّهُ وَخَيْرُ الْهُدَى هُدَى مُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ وَشَرَّ الْأُمُورِ مُحْدَثَاتُهَا So argue with them which words which is better and more convincing إِنَّ رَبَّكَ Verily your Lord knows who goes astray and he knows who is مَنِ الْمُحْتَدِينَ who is guided he the powerful and glorious also said, وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ مِمَّنْ دَعَا إِلَى اللَّهِ وَعَمِلَ الصَّالِحَةِ وَقَالَ إِنَّنِي مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And who is better وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ Who is better than the one 
who is better in their speech than the one who calls towards Allah. And after that, they act upon it. They do amil as-salihah because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't mean who is better than the one that gives out pamphlets and then acts contrary to it. He doesn't mean the one that asked somebody to come to the masjid, but he himself at the fajr, he doesn't come. One who calls people and tells people about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but they are violating the sunnah and there's parts of the sunnah they don't like. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked us, O oh, you who believe, لِمَا تَكُولُونَ مَا لَا تَفْعَلُونَ why do you say that which you don't do? Hateful is it in the sight of Allah that you say what you don't do. In Allah yuhibbu ladheen yuqatiluna fi sabilihi saffan ka'annahum bunyanum marsus. So he said, who is more excellent among the human beings than the one who invites towards Allah and performs righteous actions good character and admirable behavior and says openly to everyone without hiding verily I am among the Muslims openly he's not trying to be a hidden Muslim he's not trying to hide his Islam to take benefit from the kuffar He's not changing his name. He's not altering himself or herself. He is observing the sunnah to the best of his ability. And he's announcing through his behavior and clearly through his character and his actions that I am a Muslim. Because how will somebody respond to the policeman if he's not in his uniform? If you went to the hospital and the doctor, he came out to operate on you, but he had on clothing from the people who emptied the trash. He said, come in. <laughs> you will not go inside there. No, you are looking for him to be in his uniform. So how will the people know you are Muslims unless you have the uniform of the sunnah? My dear Muslim brothers and sisters, so we witness and we race. We witness the race and the fierce competition to influence and inevitably direct the thinking of human beings. Yes, there is a race, there is a competition, a very fierce competition to do what? Control the minds and hearts of human beings. This is the race. All the companies, all the advertisements, on the television, on the radio, on the billboards, all the countries, all the nations, they are in the business of doing what? Influencing and inevitably controlling the hearts and the minds of human beings. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us, فَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ salat." And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us, فَاسْتَبِكُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ Compete 
in the good. And the, they are using the media, they are using culture, they are using education, and they are using their governmental institutions. This is a form of their da'wah. This is their da'wah. The da'wah of the kuffar, the da'wah of the dunya is zinatuha. The da'wah of the dunya is zinatuha. The da'wah of the governments are their institutions. So the whole world is engaged in da'wah. And if you are not offering your da'wah, you become what? Muda'i. You have to give your da'wah or you become muda'i. The one who is receiving this da'wah and their da'wah, it never stops. While you are sleeping, when you wake, when you're driving, you are looking at whatever they're telling you and it is going inside your minds and your children's minds so that your children and you go out as Muslims and come back to the house as Kafirs. How can we do this? How can we give our da'wah as they give their da'wah? One, Review your Islamic knowledge because we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala began everything with knowledge. You can't give da'wah, you can't even proceed to perform your deen without knowledge. Bada'a bil ilm. He began with knowledge. After knowledge, there is amilu bih, acting upon the knowledge. And after that, there is what? Da'watu ilay. And after da'watu ilay, there is sabr ala al-adha fi. Review your Islamic knowledge and take 30 minutes a day with your family. Brothers, sisters, sit down and ask yourself, how much Quran do I know? Do I know one juz? Do I know two? This is the kitab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Afala yatadabbaruna al-Qur'an. Do I know my salah? Do I know the rules of tahara? Do I know the basic rules that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put upon me regarding the arkan al-Islam and the arkan al-Iman. Do I know? Do I know and understand the points and the adab of the aqidah of Islam? Do I know it? Take thirty minutes a day and review your knowledge. Sit with someone, a student of knowledge or a student of a student or a scholar in Islam. Sit with them 30, 30 days, thirty hours. I'm sorry, thirty minutes a week. To review what you know. Sit with your family and examine what they have. Sit with your brother or sister. Be prepared to answer the 10 or 20 commonly asked questions about Islam and Muslims. Ask yourself what the kuffar will ask me. Say to yourself, what will a kafir ask me? 
When I meet a kafir, he wants to know about Islam, what are the 10 most questions he will ask? Or the 20 questions they will ask? They are not difficult questions. They are not trigonometry. They are not tricky questions. They are not complex questions. Why are you Muslim? Why should I be a Muslim? What is this Quran? Who is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam? What proof you have about this akhirah? What proof you have I'm going to hell? What proof you have about death? What proof you have that Jesus is not the son of God? Why should I be a Muslim? They will ask you 10 or 20 different questions. Prepare yourself, know those questions, ask yourself before you answer them. Carry with you Islamic booklets and pamphlets. If you don't know, you can't answer. Carry with you books and books, booklets and pamphlets in your car, inside your pocket, inside your briefcase, inside your desk. Keep it with you all the time. So that if somebody asks you something and you're shy or you don't know, tell them, excuse me, just wait one minute. And you go get your ammunition. <laughs> don't the guys who you see riding around on them bikes with the backpacks, do you think they know? No, they don't know. You ask them a question, they say, excuse me, just one minute. And they go to the backpack or to the car and they go. Or if they can't get the knowledge, they say, tomorrow I'll be back. They don't say, inshallah. They say, tomorrow I'll be back. They go back to the Kanisa and they ask somebody who has studied Islam. They come back and tell you the answer. What about us? We're not riding the bike. We ain't got no backpack. We're not in the organized dower. Guard your behavior and guard your salah. Because they are watching you. The kuffar are watching you. Your co-workers, your neighbors, your colleagues in the school, they are watching you. And they, some of them are studying Islam. They look into Islam, what they're studying, they're looking at you. Checking Islam, they're looking at you. And they're saying, <laughs> when they ask, they say, don't worry, they're not the right ones. They're not the same ones. Don't worry about them. They are Gutha's sail. They just bubbles and foam on the sea, the trash. They have wahin in their hearts. They are more preoccupied with the dunya than we are. That's what they say among themselves. Don't worry about them. They're the wrong Muslims. They are more preoccupied with education, dunya wea. They are more occupied with their jobs. They are more occupied with their nationality, their culture. They are more involved in this than we are. We don't have to worry about them. And secondly, they will never go and fight any kind of jihad. They don't even want to be wounded. They don't even want to be made uncomfortable. They don't want to be bothered. Don't worry about them. Join the Islamic gatherings for knowledge and da'wah. Whenever there is a gathering for knowledge, go to it. Bring your family to it. Even if your family, if they go to sleep, let them sleep. You know the hadith, the long hadith. The malaika came to a gathering that Allah ordered them to go and look. 
When some people gather in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, reciting from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah dispatches malaika from where he is. He dispatches those malaika and they go around looking for those gatherings. And when they find those gatherings, they go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they mention the names of those people with Allah, although Allah don't need them to end, to, because Allah, he already knows, but he ordered them to do that. And Allah asked them what they're asking for. Say, oh Allah, they're asking for your mercy. He said, do you know my mercy? Do they know my mercy? No, oh Allah, they don't know. Give it to them. What else they're asking for? Oh Allah, they're asking for your forgiveness. He said, do they know my forgiveness? They said, he said, no, oh Allah. He said, give it to them. He said, what else they're asking for? Oh Allah, they're asking for freedom from your hellfire. Did they see my hellfire? He said, no, oh Allah, they didn't see your hellfire. He said, didn't they give them freedom from the hellfire? What else they asked for? Oh Allah, they asked for your jannah. Did they see my Jannah? He said, no Allah, they never see your Jannah. Give them the Jannah. And they said, oh Allah, there's one of them. He is not engaged with them. Just he's to the side. Allah said, give him also. I will not keep back what I gave the others to that one, to whoever is with those kinds of people. I will not withhold what I gave to the others. To anyone who is with them. So join every gathering of da'wah. Join every gathering of knowledge. The Prophet said, Man salaka tariqan yatlubu fihi ilma sahalallahu lahu tariqan ilal jannah aw kamakar rasulullah sallallahu Whoever takes a path seeking knowledge therein, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make for them easy, easy for them the path towards al jannah. Invite your neighbors, your colleagues, and your co-workers to da'wah sessions. Invite them. Every time we have some da'wah, we call the kuffar for da'wah. We wind up with 50 Muslims and one non-Muslim. We call in the non-Muslims for da'wah. And the 50 Muslims show up and one non-Muslim. Or 500 Muslims show up and 20 non-Muslims. What is, what is wrong? The movie houses, when there's a new movie that came out, Blockbuster is full of Muslims. The movie house is full of Muslims. Even they didn't call you, you came on your own. You are ordering the movies on the satellite. They didn't even call you, you calling them. But you are unable to call the colleague and your neighbor and your co-workers, you're unable to call them to that which you say you believe. They call you to the trash, but you cannot call them to the treasure. Subhanallah. Muslims. There is 400,000 or more Muslims, uh, Muslims in Sydney, Australia. This is what somebody told me. Is it true? One sister said, no, it's not true. It's more, maybe 600,000. Subhanallah. If that's the case, there is at least 250,000 young people who is below the ages of 25 who go to school, who work, who have neighbors that they interact with every day. You mean to tell me a Muslim that prays five times a day 
and they talk to their neighbor, their co-worker, their colleague about Islam, about the treasure of Islam, they cannot produce one shahada a year? A year! Out of thousands of kafirs they come in contact with. You don't think so? Subhanallah. If 250,000 Muslims gave dawah 30 minutes a day, they would produce, inshallah, if this was their intent, they will make one shahada a year. This is how many? How many people will become Muslims in Sydney? 250,000. 250,000. This is nothing. Nothing. Because the dawah of Islam is more powerful than the A-bomb. More powerful than the H-bomb. More powerful than the N-bomb. The Kafirs, they have the atomic bomb. They have the hydrogen bomb. They have the neutron bomb. They will be dropping those bombs very soon. Yes, they will be. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gave to us the D-bomb. The Dawah bomb. <laughs> Let's make it clear. So nobody will say the Khalid Yassin came to Sydney, Australia and told the Muslims to make a bomb. <laughs> Dawah bomb means the explosion which comes from inviting people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that which changes their hearts and their minds. It takes no hostages. It destroys no building. It causes no blood and breaks no bones. It changes lives. It penetrates hearts and minds. The kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the sweetness and the beauty of the Prophet Sallallahu behavior. We are the ones that carry this bomb. It's with us, but we don't use it. Oh Muslims, we are frightened. We are impressed, we are intimidated by the use of these bombs. The A-bomb, the H-bomb, and the N-bomb, that's what we talk about. Yet we have been given the most beautiful and powerful bomb, the D-bomb. Through the use of these other bombs, certainly, it will bring about the destruction and annihilation of civilizations. But through the D-bomb, we can introduce the promise of guidance, morality, and inspiration. We can change the world through dawah. We can change our conditions through dawah. We can change our circumstances through dawah. We can change the perception of non-Muslims with dawah. We can change and remove the distortions and the misconceptions through dawah. Yes, through dawah, we can remove the inferiority complex that the Muslims have concerning themselves and Islam. Dear brothers and sisters, through the dawah, we can change ourselves, we can change our families, we can change our society, and inevitably through the dawah, we can change the world. Dear brothers and sisters, I would like to thank the the organizers of this lecture series. I would like to thank the administration of the Lakimba Mosque 
for facilitating this gathering and sharing in the rewards of it. I would like to thank all the brothers and sisters who have come to the lectures and brought non-Muslims to the lectures. I'd like to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us the energy and the opportunity to discharge this responsibility. Someone asked, have you got your say in comments about the war that already struck on Iraq? Have you got any message for so-called coalition of willing people? Uh, whatever I have to say about Iraq, um, I won't say it here. Uh, and I don't think really that uh, this question is relevant or necessary for us to talk here. And uh, if whoever asked this question, in my lecture, I tried to address what posture we should take about this issue. If you listened well, I tried to say to you what we should do. Be patient. Be tolerant. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, finally, uh, brothers and sisters, Jazakallah khayyan akhi, whoever asked me this question, tomorrow at Fajr I will be at the uh, GIYC for Fajr. Uh, meet me at Fajr, inshallah, and we can talk about this. Brother Khalid, what happened if we can't give dawah here in Australia after all the oppression? There's no such thing as our inability to give dawah because of oppression. There's no such thing. Don't believe the hype. What is your opinion or views on the nation of Islam? They are not Muslims. They said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appeared in the form of a man. What is that? They said there's no Jannah and there's no Nar. What is that? Okay, so what is my view about them? <coughs> they said there's a prophet after Muhammad and What is that? So what can my view be about them? Although, they are doing some things that make them appear to be Muslims because we're not doing it. That's the problem. Somebody is confused because they are doing some things we're supposed to be doing. But that doesn't make them Muslims. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for your visit to Australia. I've been giving dawah to the non-Muslims. Alhamdulillah. I reverted two non-Muslims to give shahada. My only problem with some kafir is the one question. I cannot give them an answer. And the question is, who created Allah? Please help me. There's no help for that question. The Prophet ﷺ said that the kuffar, they will continue, continue until finally they will say, who created Allah? Don't even try to answer that question. It's not for us to answer this question. Allah is Allah, He is Al-Khaliq. And we are makhluq. If the person has a problem with that question and because of that they do not want to believe, just leave them. You are not a magician and if you were, the hukum on you would be to be killed. So we are not trying to prove something to people. This is not our job. Our job is not to try to answer questions like that. Our job is to give them the knowledge which we have. Give them the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tell them, Allahu, la ilaha illa huwal hayyul qayyum.
لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء واسي كرسي حس السماوات والأرض ولا يعوده حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم tell them that and if he still doesn't understand leave him may Allah reward you brother there's a problem in Lakemba and other suburbs around Sydney about a lack of unity where there are many moments with different movements with different ideas some are confusing do I get myself involved in one group or be with the other groups my advice to the Muslim brothers and sisters is to find someone who has reputable and trustworthy knowledge and become the student so that you learn your Islam. But Islam is not in the names. Islam is not in the groups. <coughs> now I didn't say you should not be with the jama'ah. The jama'atul muslimin, the jama'ah of the Quran and the sunnah. Yes you should, this is the group. But the jama'ah is not in the names. Don't join anybody for the name. Even if they have the most beautiful name, don't join them for the name. But if there is a scholar or a student of knowledge or a student of a student of knowledge, join that circle to get that knowledge. And then ask them what circle you can join after that, after you get that knowledge and then join that circle. Because these are the circles we want to join. Dear brother, how do we call our non-Muslim neighbors to Islam if they are not taking interest in your da'wah but have respect for you? You have to talk to them. Share with them your food. Invite them to your house. If you see trash in front of their house, when you empty your trash, empty their trash. When you sweep in front of your house, sweep in front of their house. Send your wife to inquire about his wife. You ask him about his family and let him know, my name is Khalid, I live next to you, I'm your neighbor. If you need anything, let me know. You do that all the time. Because if you are kind, if you are decent, if you are honest, your neighbor will respect you and he will listen to you. And if he listens to you, he will come to eat your food or he will invite you to eat his food. The Prophet ﷺ said, your behavior means more than giving pamphlets. Don't go knock on the door of your neighbor and put a pamphlet in his mailbox and then run back in your house. And you say, why he don't accept my dawah? This is not the way the Prophet ﷺ did it. Brother, do you think we Muslims should give more dawah and focus more attention to our Muslim brothers and sisters who have gone astray than to Christians and non-believers? No, no, this is not true. You give dawah to everybody, of course. We give nasiha to the Muslims, tarbiyah to the Muslims. We make tasqiyah for ourselves, tasfiyah with the Muslims. We make ta'awin with the Muslims, tawasaw with the Muslims. But we give dawah to the kuffar. 
Don't mistake this issue, brothers and sisters. I did not say neglect the Muslims, but this whole idea that we should leave the kuffar alone and concentrate on the Muslims, this is people who themselves, they got the wrong idea. You got the wrong idea. The poison is coming into your house, your children, your wives. The poison is being stacked up. And you say you should only take care of the Muslims? No, this da'wah is not just for the Muslims. This da'wah is for the whole world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the Prophet alameen. He didn't say use a rahmah for the Muslims. A rahmat lil alameen for the whole world. We should take care of ourselves and our families and the Muslims. Yes. But we have an obligation to share the treasure of Islam with the non-Muslims. As a Muslim, should our response to global political issues be different to that of non-Muslims, such as socialists? Should we participate in rallies? Um, I don't advise these, uh, these rallies and marches. I don't say that there's no good in it. Brothers and sisters, listen. I would not throw a stone at the Jamrat, but that it is a part of the Hajj. We are not throwing stones at the Jamrat because it will harm Shaitan. But we are doing it as a symbol of the Hajj. As Ibrahim Islam did when Allah ordered him to sacrifice his son. We are throwing the, 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 we're throwing the stones at the Jamrat as Ibrahim Islam threw the stones at Shaitan. But we're doing it only as a sign. Yes, I say, marching, protesting, shouting, Allahu Akbar, in the streets, 400,000, whatever. This will do something. But the next morning, you'll find there is nothing. It's like Chinese food. You will eat it and 20 minutes later, you will want more. It does nothing. I say 400,000 Muslims that marched in London when I was there, 400,000 marched. Each of them spent that day 20 or 30 pounds, which is about how much, how many dollars? 50 or 60 dollars, Australian dollars. So 400,000 times 50 or 60 dollars, add that up. Subhanallah, just add this amount of money. In one day, those same Muslims, they could have built 10 masjids and 10 schools in Europe. And they were organized by the coalition to stop the war. Who is the coalition to stop the war? Socialists, communists, homosexuals. Subhanallah. Brothers, be careful. What are you thinking? The Prophet ﷺ did not do that. This is not our way, this is their way. We have a different way. I don't say there's no good in it at all. But brothers, we have our own manhaj. Follow our manhaj. Okay. Uh, the question is, a lot of brothers give dawah to girls. Can you please explain? Usually when a man is giving dawah to women, 
another part of his body is giving more dawah than his head. <laughs> the brothers have to be careful. Why are, you, why are you talking to the sisters? Why are you talking to the women on the campus? You know how they're dressing. Are you standing in front of her? What you what you just looking up in the sky? And she, oh brother, how what do you think, brother, about Islam? Brother so and so, subhanAllah. Brother, who you fooling yourself? Tell us, look away from her. Look down, cast your glance away from her, and give us a phone number and direct her towards a place where the sisters gather. Because there are many sisters who have more knowledge than you. And let the sisters take care of the sisters. Or if you want to give dawah, invite her to a gathering where someone can give them dawah in an appropriate way. Don't put yourself in danger. And I say the same thing for the women. What's the women giving dawah to the men for? Usually when women is talking with men, they're single. There's two women talking at the same time. The one who wants to talk about Islam, but the one who also wants to talk about herself. And usually when the man is talking with the woman, there's two men. The one he's talking about Islam, and the one he's talking about himself. Save yourselves from this hypocrisy, and save yourselves from the fitna. The men should give the dawah to the men, and the women should give the dawah to the women. This is the best thing, inshallah. One question, there seem to be many uh, misconceptions among the Muslims in Sydney regarding the topic of free mixing and intermingling between the two genders. Uh, uh, this issue is very clear. It's only the people who want to violate it. The issue of hijab is very clear. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, I left behind me no fitna for my ummah greater than that of women. Now he didn't mean to say that women themselves is a cause of fitna. No, he's warning the men that by your desires, by your desires, and by your treatment, there's a fitna for you. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa he structured our activities in such a way to protect the women and to protect the men. We have to follow his sunnah. Follow the sunnah of the Prophet The men should try to avoid sitting in the places of the women. Unless it is extremely necessary. And even then, take your precautions. The women should, look, uh, should, should avoid sitting in the places of the men. Unless it's necessary. And even then, take your precautions. But the mixing of the men and the women, this is, this is something we have taken from the kuffar. And we think because we're living in a kuffar country, it's okay to do. And this is why your daughters are being penetrated. Psychologically, they're being penetrated. They're being polluted. They're being infected long before it happens to them physically. No, you should not allow your daughters to mix with the men. You should not allow your sons to mix with the women. And the leaders of the Muslims are cautioning you about this, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have cautioned you about that. So this matter is very clear.
Why the Muslims are doing it? Because they're heedless. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, someone mentioned that there is a, well, let me just say it in general. Brothers and sisters, listen. In the time of the Prophet ﷺ, he was slandered. In his face, isn't it? Wasn't he? What did he do? Did he slap that person? Did he bring some, some, uh, some, some Muslims there to kill that person? To beat up that person? Did he curse them back? No. He was patient with them. Do you remember that lady who used to, every time the Prophet ﷺ passed by her house, she used to throw trash down on him. And one day, he passed by her house and no trash came down. So he asked the people, where is that lady? They said, oh Rasulullah ﷺ, she is sick. He went straight forward to go visit her. And he said to her, he said, I missed you. I passed by your house, nothing came down. <laughs> MashaAllah. You see? How are you? How are you feeling? Look how the Prophet ﷺ is talking. This lady, she became a Muslim from the behavior of the Prophet ﷺ. Today, there are stations, radio stations. There are TV personnel. There are newspapers slandering Islam, slandering the Prophet ﷺ. Speaking about the Qur'an, so what should we do? Burn down that station? Burn down that television place? That radio place? Go and beat them up? Go send them threatening letters? No Muslims, don't do that. Answer them. Answer them. Write to them. Make, give $50 tomorrow night towards our own station, then we will be able to broadcast the truth. But don't act foolish. Don't let them push your button. What did the Prophet ﷺ say to Aisha, our mother? When the Jews said to him, Sam'alaik, death be upon you. And what did she say? And upon your family and your tribe and so forth and so on. The Prophet ﷺ told her, Oh Aisha, don't say that. Tell them, وَعَلَيْكُمْ We have not this right. This is not our behavior, brothers. Don't get angry. Don't allow them to cause you to become a reactionary. Then you will become like them. No. Answer them. وَجَادِلْهُمْ بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنْ be patient, brothers and sisters. Inshallah, the truth would be made plain. Look, what you want? The people are still coming into Islam. Before September 11th, they are slandering Muslims. After September 11th, they are slandering Muslims everywhere. But what happened? In America, every year, 42,000 people accept Islam every year before September 11th. In the UK, 13, 15,000 people accept Islam every year without no organized dawah. 
After September the 11th in America, 78,000 people accepted Islam. In the UK, 26,000 people accepted Islam. What do you want? They are accepting Islam even though we are being cursed and slandered. This is because they are afraid. They cannot stop the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Muslims just have good behavior and give the da'wah and leave it up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to deal with the curses. How do we give da'wah to Muslim women who wear were hijab but are yet naked? I think I spoke about that. And we don't want to say bad things about the sisters. Listen, let me say this, brothers. If you find a sister who is, uh, maybe you think she's not dressed properly, you be patient with her. And then also the Prophet ﷺ said, مِنْ حُسْنِ الْإِسْلَامِ الْمَرْعِي تَرْكَهُ مَا لَا يَعْنِي You see, first of all, maybe this is none of your business. She has a father. She has a brother. She has a family. If you're concerned about her, go talk to her father and her family. Other than that, mind your business. Maybe her heart is purer than your heart. Give her a chance to grow. If anything, let the imam of the master, let the scholars, let a student of knowledge or somebody advise her. Inshallah, and be patient with her. Be patient with the Muslims, inshallah. And don't reveal the faults. Man satr al-Musliman, satr allahu alayhi. Whoever covers the, sh the shame or the sin or the mistake of a Muslim, Allah will cover their shame on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So be careful about this issue, brothers. Jazakallah khairan, somebody, he says, I, I, will, uh, I will answer about five more, inshallah. Okay? I don't want to, uh, I don't want to over, um, overburden the people, inshallah. For me, it's okay. We can stay here until another hour. I don't mind. It said, in relationship to your previous lectures where you have spoken about modernity of Islam and uh, not circumcompromising, how do we indeed guard ourselves from this and give dawah to non-Muslims? This question is especially in relationship to students at the university. Uh, take the good from the society where you live. Take the good from the society where you live and leave the rest. And then integrate that with your Islam. Because the issue of modern, we are not, not anti-modern. We, we are not anti-modern. We want to be modern. But that doesn't mean to be Western. Taking the best from the world that is, is what we're supposed to do. But it doesn't mean to be Western. And as a student on the university, take the best from their knowledge, but be careful about the sources from which they get it. And always put everything through the strainer of the Quran and the Sunnah. And if you don't know, fas'alu ahl dhikr Could uh, the sister ask, how did I become a Muslim? I, I always tell the people, there is no extraordinary story. I did not... Um, I, didn't, I was not walking one night and saw a light in the sky and something came down to me. It didn't happen like that. Someone talked to me about Islam as I'm talking tonight and as I talked yesterday. Someone talked to me about Islam. I read some things and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by His grace He caused Islam to become plain to me. Alhamdulillahi hadana 
All praise due to Allah who guided us. And without his guidance, we could never have become guided. She said, what is the best way to talk with a non-Muslim and uh, how do I start? Always use Tawheed. Use Risala. Talk about Tawheed. Talk about Risala. Talk about the Akhirah. Use the Quran. Use the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Don't try to be clever. Just talk about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Talk about the Qasas al-Anbiya alayhislam. Talk about the Prophet ﷺ. Talk about the Akhirah as opposed to the dunya. Talk about Islam, the Arkanal Islam, the Arkanal Iman. And after that, do your best. And whatever you don't know, send them to somebody else, insha'Allah, who knows better than you. Uh, when you mean by giving da'wah, do you mean we should go to the street and ask people to come to Islam? No, I didn't say we should do like the Jehovah Witness. We don't follow their manhaj. We're not Mormons, we're not Jehovah Witness, we're not Seventh-day Adventists, we're not uh, Moonies. We, this is not the way, because that's what they do is not, that's the way we should do. We have our way. Read the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ. And you'll see in the seerah how the Prophet ﷺ, he gave da'wah. And this is the way we want to give da'wah. Your behavior is the first source of da'wah for your neighbors, for your colleagues, and your co-workers. Watch your behavior. Act like a Muslim, talk like a Muslim, be as a Muslim, and they will see. Just like if your neighbor is cooking basmati rice, can they hide it? They cannot. Who knows basmati rice? You know. So if the neighbor is cooking basmati rice, can they hide it? You will smell it through the doors. So the real Muslim, you will smell the sweetness from the real Muslim. You cannot hide it. By the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I have scientific tools to answer the question, who created Allah? Kindly make a reference to me. La ilaha illallah. Okay, this brother here, who answered this question here, I'd like to speak with you, inshallah, afterwards, so you can share with me the scientific tools that you have to answer the question, who created Allah? It's okay, inshallah. We, we'll see what scientific tools the brother he has. And, uh, and then inshallah we'll give nasiha. Okay, I think what he meant is how we answer the question. Alhamdulillah. So we put the, we, we, we have husnadhan. Uh, what the brother he meant is how we answer that question. Not how we, how we answer who created Allah, but how we answer that question. May Allah reward that brother. Inshallah, please share that with me. If you, if you want to give that to me now, if it's very short, I will, I will answer the question for the person who asked it. If that brother, he has his tool, write it down. It should be something very short, and I will answer the question for you uh, to that person, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. In other words, if it's something uh, that you can write in two or three sentences, I don't mind to answer the question for the person. For me, I don't have an instant answer. If somebody asks me that question, I have an answer for them. But my advice in people who are giving da'wah, don't try to answer such questions. Not that it cannot be answered, but don't try to answer such questions. But th that question can be answered, but I don't advise Muslims who want to give da'wah 
to take that responsibility upon themselves because you may become confused yourself. What do you say if someone wears clothes of a non-Muslim to do da'wah with reasons to be able to reach the non-Muslim as sometimes people are turned away by long beards or purda? Well, look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knows what we do when we go abroad, when we do it in our houses. If a Muslim, he fears harm to himself or herself. And because of that, they alter how they appear to the kuffar because they fear something about what will happen to them. Or they have been told to do this by their amir or their father or somebody. This is a different issue. I'm not commenting on that. But generally speaking, we don't have to alter or compromise the sunnah in order to give da'wah. Why we do that? What do you mean? You mean a sister, she take off her, 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 her khimar so she can sit with other non-Muslim women and they were to talk with them? Or she can, what, what do you mean? Or what she remove, you understand, mean her, uh, uh, her um, libas, she takes that off so she can be seen, her aura can be seen? It doesn't make sense to me. No, she doesn't have to make that kind of compromise to do da'wah. In fact, better for her to stay in her house and do da'wah over the computer or do da'wah by writing messages and, and keep her aura, keep her hijab. Not binding her heart to do that. Simple, oh, also, how can a man tell me that in order for him to give da'wah with the kafirs, he shave his beard? What kind of foolishness is that? You mean he's disobeying the Prophet ﷺ in order to please him? Does it, it doesn't make sense. No, brothers, we don't, uh, uh, we don't do that. A woman does not, a woman does not prostitute at night because she wants to teach school in the morning. She wants to build an orphanage. And a man, he doesn't sell alcohol all day long because he wants to build a hospital. No, you don't disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in order to invite people to Islam. No, we don't do that. So if you didn't mean that, then may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you for your question, but, uh, and then you can ask me, say to me what you actually meant. But no, we do not compromise in order to do the da'wah. Uh, do you think it's okay to go outside to nightclubs to give dawah to lost brothers and sisters? The one who go inside the nightclub, they're somewhat lost too. Uh, look here, I mean look. Do you open up the trash bin looking for halal food? Do you go to the graveyard looking to see if there's some alive people there? You go to the places where the people are doing the worst actions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates and they are engaged in filthy actions, listening to filthy things and you're going there to do what? To bring them pure speech. They are drinking and they are drugging and you're giving them da'wah. In, in, in London, there are some brothers and sisters who go out 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. Some of the brothers have with them their wives. And they stand in the square where the people come out of the clubs and they're giving them dawah. I say they're courageous. They're very courageous. But this is not, this is not uh, dignified. This is not the way the Prophet ﷺ, he did it. We are not desperate. We are not Jehovah Witnesses. We are not trying to save people's souls. And we don't go into the fire to pull people out.
No, this is not dawah, brothers and sisters. You, you're trying to do something else. Save yourselves and your families first. Dawah has a manhaj. We don't do dawah lickety-split. We don't just jump up and just go outside and Bismillah, okay, let's go out and do some dawah and catch some kafirs. It's no, man. It's a way. Prepare yourself. Think, plan, scheme. Put up your logistics. Know where you're going. Choose the place and time. The best place and time. When giving dawah, do we avoid, how do we avoid becoming, getting argument heated? Don't get angry. La taghzab. La taghzab. La taghzab. Don't get angry. Secondly, invite people. Don't invite people to your message. Don't invite people to yourself. Don't invite people to your group. Don't invite people to your masjid. Don't argue with people because you want to defeat them. Because it's not the contest. You're not in a contest. You don't want to jump out there and, and get into a debate. If you want to do that, just put on some boxing gloves and see who can fight the best. This is not dawah. And may Allah reward Sheikh Ahmed Didat. May Allah reward Sheikh Zakir Naik. May Allah reward those brothers who are out there knocking down and, 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 and killing the dragons. But if you notice, they are not bringing many people to Islam. Because when you embarrass them, when you defeat them and embarrass them, and you make them naked, they don't feel good about it. You can't slap them in the face and then after that tell them to accept Islam. So it's better not. When Allah says, وَجَادِلْهُمْ بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنْ Here the argument doesn't mean shouting and raising voices. This is not the kind of argument. The argument here means, jadil means, to talk with them, to listen to them, and to answer them with that which is better than their way of talking and with better proofs and evidence. And when the conversation becomes abusive, disrespectful, useless, that's the time for you to say, thank you very much. Uh, it's been very nice talking to you. Uh, enjoy your day. And may Allah guide you. Lakum dinakum That's it. Another day, he who fights and runs away lives to fight another day. It's a proverb. So he who gives dawah and leaves away in dignity, you retain your dignity and you give yourself the chance another day to come back and meet the same person because if you left them in dignity, the next time they see you, what? They still see you in dignity. This is the idea. And don't think you're going out to make people sh give shahada like a pancake. You know, you want instant shahada. You want to shake and bake them. <laughs> you want to talk to somebody, you want them to take shahada right now. Or if you talk to them two or three times, why they don't want to become a Muslim? No, then you got something inside of yourself. The Prophet Nuh, alayhi salam, he gave dawah for 950 years. 950 years! He's a prophet of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. What about you? We give dawah, you know, for about five minutes, a couple of days, a couple of weeks, we get frustrated, we curse the people out. No, no, brothers and sisters, check yourselves, check your intention, inshallah. Do you think it's okay to go out? Oh, okay, I answered that one.
Uh, what do you say to people who uh, believe in God but say um, say Israel also oh, religion causes war so they don't follow any religion well these people who say that religion causes war you can say to them that yes there are many wars that have been fought because of religion because of system of life there is what they call yin and yang there's salt and pepper there's up and down there's truth and there's falsehood okay so there's always the opposite of extremes nobody can eliminate that but this is not what we're talking about we're talking about acknowledging that there is a creator and a legislator there is a creator and we are creation there is a sovereign a ruler and we are subjects this is the issue we want to talk about begin with this issue that there is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he deserves to be worshipped talk to them about this issue that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَمَا خَلَقْتَ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسِ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ this is the issue if you constantly give da'wah and call people to Islam however they do not listen are you still getting rewarded? Yes, definitely. Should you give up giving dawah to a particular person if they show no signs of responding? Well, look, if they abuse you, if they curse you, or if they tell you, leave me alone, leave them alone. But if they seem to, every time they see you, they want to talk more, give them what you can. Because maybe you don't know today, tomorrow, the next day, you will penetrate them. There's a Chinese proverb. I want to tell you, it said that the person who wants to plant an apple tree is a different person. It calls for a different commitment than the one who wants to plant a bamboo tree. The apple tree will grow fruit in about two or three years, but the bamboo tree will not become a bamboo tree for 60 years. So you must give down with this understanding. That you are the one giving dawah, but you are the, not the one who are giving hidayah. Sheikh, what do you know about the Freemason movement in the world? I don't know much. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm the only, oh. Oh, I'm the uh, only religious one in my family. I help them and give them dawah, but they always attack me. I know I can kill them. I know I cannot kill them. What should I do? Don't kill them. <laughs> so, so be, be patient. Sister or brother, look, let me tell you this story. When I became a Muslim, I have uh, brothers and sisters. And they told me, you must be crazy. What happened to you? You show up wearing a cap on your head and wearing a dress and you change your religion and you change your name we think we should take you to the hospital <laughs> how long do you think it took me to talk to my brothers and sisters it took a long time for them to take me serious and they used to watch me when I used to go and bow down and make when I come out and making wudu got water on me and then I'm bowing down they would say what in the world is he doing he putting his face on the ground. He went inside the bathroom, he's all wet, he putting his face on the ground. <laughs> what is he doing? And my mother, she used to just be silent 
She used to just look at me. But every day, the Prophet used to like the etr, always, this same etr right here. And I always used to put it on. And my mom used to say, So, son, what is that? I said, This is some blessed oil. <laughs> she said, Give me some. I put it on her. She's always like it. So every time she see me, Son, give me some of that oil. I give it to her. Today, I got this in my pocket because I have three of them. One for my mother, one for my sister. Because when I talk to her always, she says, Son, give me some, send me some more of that oil. You see, look. My mother was in love with Muhammad wasallam, Because the etr she liked was from whom? From Muhammad wasallam. She used to always ask me, All those handsome brothers that you always with, they're so handsome. What is she talking about? Because they're wearing lihya. Because they have light in their faces. Allah made them look more beautiful than any other men. Because the Prophet said the lihya, it makes the man more handsome. And then my mother used to always say to me, You know, son, I don't, know the, I don't understand the religion you're in, but, but one thing, I, I like the way the brothers, how they talk. They are very respectful. They are very, they, they're very nice. They are firm when they talk to other people, but they're very nice and kind. She used to like them. I talked to my mother about Islam, and sometimes she used to tell me to get out of my house because I would not eat her food. Because I used to tell her to take the pictures down off the walls. She told me, get out of her house. But what do you think? After seven years, I was on my way to Mecca. She was in the airport. And she took the shahada from me before I got on the plane and went to Hajj. So be patient. I know a brother and a sister. A brother and a sister. They gave dawah to their mother for 12 years. She never accepted from them. 12 years. In the 12th year, the mother asked them where they were at in another city, please come to see me because I want you to bring me that Quran and I want to become a Muslim. I know a brother in Cardiff, a brother, his name is Ibrahim, he will tell you when he became a Muslim, his mother told him, don't come in my house again. I don't want to see you again. And she told me her story. She said she felt as if her son had died. That he broke her heart. She could not understand how could he do something like that. How he could become one of those people. But what do you think? She was a Muslim when she's talking to me. Ibrahim told me one day his mother told him, Son, you need to come here quickly. He came and said, what's the matter mother? She says, I don't know, but I was reading from this book that you left in the house here. And everything is saying, I believe it. I want to become a Muslim. Can I become a Muslim? Subhanallah. How this happens? Allahu Alam, Allah, He knows best. Sister, be patient. Brother, be patient. Let them see your behavior. Don't give them dawah, just talking, talking, talking. Let your behavior marinate. Let it cook. Let them see your kindness, your justice, your dignity, your honor. Let them see the sunnah of the Prophet They will come to love Muhammad when they see him through you. And be patient. Don't force them. 
you practice what you can and you do what you can and understand that Allah told the Prophet ﷺ, you will not cause those whom you love to believe. You see? Because if that's the case, did not the Prophet ﷺ want Abu Talib to become a Muslim? He did, he did not. The Messenger of Allah ﷺ, he also wanted all his uncles to be Muslim. They did not. So be patient, inshallah. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's all of the questions. Uh, we, we thank Allah subhanahu We answered about uh, 25 questions, mashallah. Uh, we cannot answer all of them, and all of them are not to be answered. Uh, again, we say, Subhanakallahum wa bihamdukum wa shadu wa la ilaha illa anta wa nastaghfiruk wa natubu alayk. Brothers and sisters, I want to thank you again. One Islam Productions, an Islamic film studio established in Australia, is dedicated to producing films for all Muslims. Just some of the films by One Islam Productions. Children's programs, Islam for Me, We Remember Allah, Storytime and more. Educational films, Pray As You Have and Seen Me Pray, Words, Ramadan, Renewal Next. of Faith. Documentaries. We at One Islam Productions believe that Islam is precious and deserves to be presented in only the highest quality. Visit us at www.oneislam.net for more information. One Islam Productions, a film production company run by Muslims for Muslims. <laughs>